Welcome to Liftoff from your friends at Relay FM, brought to you this time by LinkedIn Jobs and the IntraZone. Liftoff is a fortnightly show where you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the latest news about space and related subjects. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Jason Snow. Hello, Stephen Hackett. How are you feeling? Uh, not great, so I apologize okay. for the voice. the weather. It's okay. I got you. I'll, I'll hold you up. We'll get through Liftoff. I appreciate that. You, you are the, the launch pad, the mobile launch platform to my SLS. <laughs> okay. I, I was going to say that unlike uh, Crew 3, we didn't delay liftoff due to a crew medical issue. <laughs> no. We, we're just going through. We're going to launch with a crew medical just issue. Just going for it, you know. Yeah. It, in in space, yeah. no one can hear you cough. Mm, mm. Other than the people who are in the capsule with you. They That's can true. hear you cough. They don't want to hear it. Uh, I would like to lead off our pre-flight checklist section by t- saying hello to all of our alien friends who are out there. Steven, oh. it's aliens. It's <laughs> oh, aliens. No. Oh. It's it's probably aliens. It, it might. How, how uh, high is my fever? It's never aliens. I'm just kidding. Well, However, I do have some Oumuamua news. Perfect. Uh, this is uh, Interstellar Object 1, 1I 2017, Oumuamua. Uh, this is the thing that flew through the solar system a while ago, and we spotted it and said it absolutely came from outside the solar system and is leaving the solar system. And the challenge with Oumuamua is that um, we didn't get a good look at it. And when we did look at it, one of the things that we uh, found was that it seemed to not have a purely kind of gravitational based uh path through the solar system that some other force seemed to be acting on it to make it move in a way that was not what we expected right which is a little mysterious doesn't mean it's aliens again but it was mysterious now there is a guy avi Loeb, who okay i don't want to i'm skeptical about this fellow he wrote a book about this um he uh, does he believe it's aliens? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he does say that its movement is consistent with that of a solar sail. I think, if I want to be generous here, I think there is an argument to be made that this object may be interesting in that it's got some properties that are unusual that we don't expect from objects in our own solar system. And that perhaps something like the fact that the movement seems like it might come from a solar sail is worth considering not from a aliens built a solar sail and flew it through our solar system perspective as much as a, um, are there things about, you know, unusual ways that might alter the trajectory of an object as it's, as it's passing through, um, you know, because, Obviously, there's more than just gravity at work. You could have uh, gases that that uh, melt and erupt from the surface, and that that affects as the mass gets thrown off. That affects the trajectory of these objects too. There's lots of different things that are not gravity that can affect the trajectory of an object. However, the reason I bring the story up now is that Avi Loeb is back, uh, and he's saying that a recent study that suggested that this was a big um, basically like a, a big iceberg made of frozen nitrogen, sort mm. of like what Pluto is made of, but like obviously came off of some big nitrogen object probably by getting smashed and imparted a bunch of velocity. And this nitrogen iceberg has been flying through interstellar space and it blasted through and we just happened to see it and call it Oumuamua. Um, and he's like, ha, ah, uh, not so fast, nitrogen iceberg, Avi Loeb said. Um he and somebody else wrote a uh, did a did a, a paper that basically said there are not 
enough uh there's not enough material they think in various sort of what they call exoplutos you know little, little bits of pluto or big plutos just floating around in the galaxy their study says there's not enough of that to make this thing flying past us very likely because that was the scenario is that it's just like a bit of something like pluto flying by um, so Avi Loeb is, is maybe not ready to prove that, that there was an alien riding a solar sail through our solar system on a <laughs> joyride, but he is apparently out there trying to poke holes in the, uh, suggestions that maybe we have a better explanation for what it is, which is namely this frozen nitrogen that was outgassing because it was being warmed up by our sun as it passed through the solar system. So, you know, this is the part where I can reveal to you exclusively what Oumuamua actually was. Sorry, uh, we don't know. We don't know. And some people want it to be uh, aliens, but it's probably not. Probably probably not aliens. Probably not. But if they are out there, hello, and they get podcasts, hi. Please subscribe. <laughs> yeah, you should become a member of Relay Ooh, FM. It's true. Aliens. Do it. The service just for, it's not just for aliens, but aliens should, it's mandatory for aliens. Yeah. Support the show directly as you take over our planet. Yeah. Well, you're probably not going to use our sponsors so instead you need to just give us money that's how uh, it works aliens they may need a job you know okay yes inflatable heat shields jason i love inflatable things in space you know this about me i know expandables inflatables balloons it's fantastic of course the idea is that you can have something in orbit or in space larger than the diameter of whatever rocket you're launching on top of, right? That's one reason the James Webb has to fold up into its tiny little shell is because it's got to fit on top of a rocket. And the Bigelow expandable space station module showed that this uh, sort of technology is feasible. And now, like we spoke about last time, there's whole space station plans based around expandable modules. Uh, but this project's a little bit different. So this is the Bernard Cutter Low Earth Orbit Flight Test of an Inflatable Decelerator. Lofted. Lofted. Mm, okay. Like it was lofted and lofted. it's got to come back down, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, it is named in honor of ULA's chief scientist, Bernard Cutter, who died last year. I like that. I like, the, I like when things get named after people. The news here is that their ground testing is complete. And so they have this uh, this giant mechanism that will, uh, at the right time, spring forth a decelerator that includes uh, heat shield protection. So this isn't heat shield a heat shield like you think about the bottom of the space shuttle or the bottom of the Orion capsule, maybe, where it's on the, the blunt end of something. Uh, this is more, I guess, more kind of like a parachute that includes uh, heat protection for high-speed entry. When we talk about going to Mars, we've talked about how difficult it is to slow down there because there's very little atmosphere and you're going very, very quickly. And that's where you get things like retro rockets and all sorts of things to try to slow our spacecraft down as they enter the Martian atmosphere and eventually go to the surface. And a technology like this could be useful in that situation because you can pack it away and it, it fits within the launch fairing. But when it's time to deploy it, it can be much, much bigger than, uh, than you could have otherwise. And they're going to test this in, uh, in about a year, uh, in fall of next year. 
They're going to be a rideshare along with the Joint Polar Satellite System 2, uh, which is a uh, actually a series of satellites that observe weather and ice on Earth. So they're going to attach this test article to the launch vehicle. They will separate from the launch vehicle, and it's a secondary mission. Like uh, we've uh, we've talked about CubeSats. This is not a CubeSat, but it is similar in the sense that it is the secondary mission of this launch. The primary mission is this, uh, the Joint Polar Satellite System 2. But hopefully, if everything goes well, it will detach and it will spring open its uh, expandable, inflatable (laughs) decelerator and Mm -hmm. coast back to Earth safe and sound. And if it does, it could open up new possibilities in terms of uh, atmospheric entry, both here and beyond. Love it, right? Like, this is, this is again, people saying, well, what, why does it have to be the way that it's always been? Why don't we give mm-hmm. this another, another, uh, another try, something different? We, we've seen what reusability has done um, to change the game in terms of launches. This is a this is a such a great deal, uh, you know, such a great idea, right? That that you can you can control where it is and how big it is and all of these things that are otherwise sort of out of your out of your control mm-hmm. because you just gotta you know stick it on and stuff it in a rocket. And <laughs> I mean, we kind of joked about this last time, but the the idea that the Bigelow team was on has all sorts of applications, and this is a very exciting one. If you can do anything to increase your chances of landing at Mars safely, that's worthwhile. You know, a lot of spacecraft don't survive that entry. They end up smashing into the surface of Mars, which is bad and sad for everybody. And if this can make things like that safer and easier to do, and maybe possibly even cheaper, and uh, not only cheaper in terms of actually like, financial investment but cheaper in the sense of weight and mass that you have to take there with you if this thing is small and lightweight you have more mass available for fuel or scientific instruments or something else so lots of possibilities and we're definitely going to be watching this test flight next year to see uh see where this is going yeah keep put a pin in it keep uh, keep an eye well no you don't want to pop it you can't put a pin in it oh sorry balloons i'm thinking i just have balloons on the brain what can i say <laughs> yeah, they're so poppable don't do that in space don't, don't pop do balloons in space it's a bad idea all right i have uh, one more pre-flight checklist item it is uh, another hawaiian or polynesian word so i i'm taking this upon myself to say it because i know that you don't want to say it uh it's camo oa lawea no camo oa lawa lawa oa lewa camo oa lawa Camo Oelawa. Hawaiian is actually very easy to pronounce, but you just have to count all the vowels and pronounce them all. Um, and so many uh, objects now are in this class where it's, uh, is this a deity? They're, they're, that's what uh, um, Oumuamua is. is it's a uh, Polynesian uh, deity, and they're doing a lot of naming of that. It's a, uh, it's a Camo Oelawea is a... Uh, uh, I did it wrong again. Camo, I, I'm never going to be allowed back on the Hono Apiilani Highway. Uh, again, they're just going to ban me. Um, it, it's a uh, it's a word. It's a Hawaiian word for an oscillating celestial object, which is what it is. So that's pretty cool that they have used a Hawaiian 
word for the thing that it is, uh, they should have chosen a simpler word to pronounce. I, think. <laughs> I like you're just sitting well, over there going, it, "I'm not even going to try." No, uh, Camo Oelawea. Oa-le-wa. 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 Oh, oh, it's is what it is, or Oaleva. Um, yeah, Camo mm-hmm. Oaleva. Yeah. See, Nailed like I it. said, Camo Oaleva. Nailed it. Uh, it's 165 feet long. It's an object in space. Uh, it loops around the Earth. It's sometimes as close to us as 25 million miles away. Uh, sometimes it's even closer. It's 9 million miles away. So it's not too far away, further than the moon, but it's not too far away. Um, and this object was uh, studied and the question was like, well, what's it made out of? Where did it come from? Why is there this object that's sort of like tagging along in our orbit? The Earth and the moon are cruising along around the, the sun. And so is <laughs> Camo Oa Lewa. Uh, so what is it? According to a new paper, it is, uh, it is a part of the moon probably, which is kind of fun. Hmm. It is, uh, they studied the, the surface and, and did some spectroscopy and um, it seems to be frozen magma, the same kind of frozen magma that is all over the lunar surface. And so the suggestion here is that this object at some point in the past was just part of the moon sitting around and something smashed into the moon, presumably made a nice big crater and ejected a whole bunch of stuff that's still floating along. I guess it's possible that there could have been a an eruption from a uh, you know from from a molten moon that had been smacked by something else. But this th- this piece of the moon uh, got ejected, and it's 165 feet long, and it's just kind of hanging around with us. It's uh, it's orbiting the sun. It's not orbiting the Earth, but it is in this oscillation where it comes closer and further away from the Earth and the moon. Um, there are some other possibilities of what it could be, but it is, uh, you know, it would need to be a coincidence that it's made of the same stuff that the moon is made of. It is probably a chip off the old moon. So I just thought it was a fun little story about how uh, we have little buddies that are going along with us and are just hanging out in the al- along with the earth and the moon. They're just kind of motoring around the, the sun. And it's been there at least 100 years in a stable orbit and will be there for hundreds of years more. And uh, it's just, uh, it's our it's our buddy. And they, they use the fact that it is orbiting the sun to actually see it. So in, in, for a brief window, it is in daylight, and that's where they, they made these observations. Yeah, so Camo Oalawa. Camo Oalawa. Oalawa. You pronounce all the vowels. That's what you have to do. All right. Uh, we love it, and uh, we can't pronounce it, and uh, it's a it's a piece of the rock or the yeah. moon. Hanging out. Yeah, just uh, motoring along with us, just one of our fellow travelers as we go around the sun. This episode of Liftoff is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, small business owners like me and like Jason are busier than ever. And spending time searching for the right candidates can feel like you're just taking time away from growing your business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. I've hired for a bunch of positions over the years, and it is like a job unto itself. You've got to figure out what the job is going to be and then find out a way to, you know, get people's resumes and then sort through them and do interviewing. It's super time-consuming, and you want to do a good job, you want the right person to join your team. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a free job post in just minutes to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. 
Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. And use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash liftoff. That's linkedin.com slash liftoff to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the show and Relay FM. All right, so let's talk about uh, some stuff back on Earth. Let's go back to Earth. Okay. Uh, I wanted to do a, an update on what's going on with the International Space Station in terms of where where the people are. You know, I like to talk about people moving. Like, uh, it's like public transit, but very, very, very limited, very, very elite <laughs> bus that service that runs from Earth to the International Space Station. Uh, SpaceX Crew 2 came back November 9th. We were talking about, like, the timing of all this. Um, alas, they did not have the party in space that I foretold two weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, due to some delays. So they came back on November 9th. Uh, and uh, and there were, like, there were parachute issues that weren't major but that they were watching is that right yeah so the uh the crew dragon has uh four main parachutes and the three of them deployed as normal uh but the fourth one took longer to deploy and it doesn't seem like a, a major deal there's obviously redundancy there three out of four is totally fine and it did end up coming fully out and inflated normally the spacecraft speed as it was descending was always nominal so not necessarily a safety issue but they're going to look at it uh, it seems like it was maybe an issue with uh, the lines kind of getting um, bunched up together in a way they weren't supposed to so it's definitely not like a program stopper it's not going to ground crew dragon uh, by any means but they're just going to look into it that's good. I mean, yeah, it was it was not a failure even. It was just it came out a little bit late. Mm-hmm. So it's not not a huge deal, but still it's something yeah, to just watch. A, a late bloomer, you know? Well, they're pay- yeah, they're paying attention and they should pay attention. So that's good. That's all good. So that was uh that was crew two. They're back. Uh, and then crew three went up a little bit later on November eleventh. So no party in space again, no big uh, you know, potluck at the ISS. Um, going up into space and now at the ISS are NASA astronauts Rajachari, Thomas Marshburn, and Kayla Barron, and Matthias Maurer from uh, from Germany, from the ESA. They arrived on November 11th. Um, so thumbs up to SpaceX. They did two uh, crew missions in three days. They had a landing and a launch. They turned it all around. They had to move their ships around, you know, for various contingencies. Um, and they did it. So new crew change out at the ISS, new set of mm-hmm. four up there, replacing the four that were there. And of course, there's also the three who arrived on a Soyuz who are hanging out up there. Um, speaking of SpaceX, throwing in a bunch of other extra stuff that, uh, you know, it, we might as well talk about. And so I'm going to do it here because uh, 
we're in this sort of SpaceX segment now. Um, SpaceX had its 25th launch of the year. Obviously, this is not the ones with people. This is all of their launches. That was on November 13th. They had a Starlink launch. If you saw the pictures from it, it looked really amazing because there was a low fog deck at Kennedy Space Center. And so um, they you could see the top of the rocket, but it was like all fog. And then you get the rocket emerging from out of the fog bank, basically. it's uh, It was pretty cool to look at. That's always cool. And speaking of blanketing fog, let's talk about Vandenberg Air Force Base, which is frequently fogged in because it's on the Pacific Coast in California. And there's a SpaceX launch coming up there on November 23rd. So it's next week. This is DART, the Double Asteroid Redirection Test. I know we've talked about it here before. It is a NASA test of planetary defense systems. DART, which is a great name because not only is it double asteroid redirection test, it's being sent to a double asteroid, but it is a dart being thrown at a little asteroid and it will crash into that asteroid. And it's really like, let's see what happens. <laughs> let's see if that deflects the uh, asteroid's path at all. Uh, Cause that tells us something about whether we might be able to redirect a dangerous asteroid that's in an orbit that might impact earth. Look, so you just need to hire, hire some oil riggers and they're the most qualified. Put them on, Two super space shuttles, and they just blow it up. I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to miss a thing. I know that. <laughs> I I'm actually going to be in Southern California next week uh, for Thanksgiving, and so I am hoping that I will be able to go outside and see this. It's a night launch from Vandenberg, and I am hopeful that I will be able to see something. I, I don't actually know... Uh, you know, where it's going. I assume it's a, you know, it's a polar launch from Vandenberg, so it's probably south. That's perfect. Uh, so anyway, and if you are in Southern California, you may want to look. Uh, it's the evening of the 23rd West Coast time, about uh, 10 p.m., 10.20 p.m. And there will probably, you know, Southern California Twitter will probably be full of, like, UFO sightings then. So that's my <laughs> pre-prediction. Uh, because that's what always happens there. And I have one more piece of SpaceX news, which is that it sounds like the FAA's environmental review for the Starship launch site in Texas will be completed by the end of the year, by December 31st. And that means that it's entirely possible that they will make their first orbital attempt with Starship during the first quarter of next year. So that that thing keeps getting more and more real and uh, next year is next year the year of Starship and a, and a brand new orbital vehicle from SpaceX. Uh, they're going to give it a shot. So that's something else to keep an eye on regarding SpaceX. It's going to be a, a busy year for them, it feels like, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Um, there's a lot going on. And in fact, that's a great segue into into our next topic, which is uh, SpaceX related, but more than just SpaceX. And it's, it's Artemis and Artemis delays. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now you... <laughs> You and I have been talking about this a long time because we've been doing this podcast long enough now that we've gotten to see these things, these slow-moving car crashes kind of happen. Um, Blue Origin, we mentioned, uh, sued, basically saying uh, no fair that the first lunar landing uh, mission got handed out to SpaceX. Uh, SpaceX, of course, as you may remember, bid about $3 billion, and Blue Origin bid about $6 billion, and NASA said we'll have that one. That's <laughs> half the price. Um, and Blue Origin sued and said, no, it's not fair. And uh, I think that's probably pretty much how it went in court, you know, kicking, screaming, it's not fair, it's not fair. Anyway, guess what? 
Blue Origin lost its lawsuit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, they, they, and they agreed to do it in an expedited fashion, and NASA stopped working with SpaceX. So NASA is now ready to pick up with SpaceX and continue their work on the first human lander for the moon um, as part of Artemis. Uh, however, another thing that we've talked about in this podcast over the years is the fact that from the moment that Artemis was announced by the Trump administration and by Mike Pence, they uh, they said, well, we're going to do this by the end of 2024. And the impression that, that was very clear was that they really wanted to, to have this done um, by the end of Trump's second term in office, right? That was their plan. Mm-hmm. Trump didn't get his second term in office, um, but that 2024 day just hung out there. And I want to be clear, it was obvious from the moment they announced it that it was not going to happen in 2024 but jim bridenstine the former nasa administrator i and i think i think smartly first off you don't want to go you want the big boss to be like this is great but also uh, goals are good to have goals are good to have and so they had a goal they're like we want to do this we don't want to do this and say it'll be eventually by the end of the decade because then you know it'll never happen or it'll be in two decades we wanted to we want to set an aggressive goal and see what we can do and you know i think in the background it's like yeah we're not going to make that goal but let's try and see if that gets us close but so new administration comes in and again everybody looks at it and says are you going to be are you going to admit the thing that this is not going to happen by the end of 2024? And they were kind of like not talking about it, which we kept saying, why announce a delay if you don't have like a positive, it's like a PR thing, a positive spin, a new story to tell about it. Like, how do you just go out and say, Hey, uh, this was really never realistic and it's still not realistic. And here's our new date, especially if you don't have a new date. And I always thought that they would they would have a way to re-spin it where they'd be like, great news, everybody. Um, we've got a new timeline for Artemis, and it includes some new dates for Artemis 1 and Artemis 2, and then and then and then we're gonna have our, our landing and it's gonna be on this date. And I know that's not 2024, but uh we're pretty confident we can hit this. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened. Mm-mm. Instead, after Blue Origin lost its lawsuit, NASA said, well, you know, we had to delay things because of that lawsuit. And so that we're yeah. never going to make 2024 now. And I just like, hey, Jeff Bezos, is, is there anything interesting under the bus that you just got <laughs> thrown under? What's, what's, what does it look like under the bus? Of all the things. And again, you know, Blue Origin, they kind of asked for it. I, I get it. But like, I cannot believe that the thing that made NASA finally admit that 2024 wasn't going to happen for Artemis was the Blue Origin lawsuit. That like that that's otherwise, you know, who knows? Otherwise maybe we could have made it, but now, you know, lawsuits. What are you going to do? So they finally have admitted they're not going to make 2024. Yay? Yeah. I mean, when they when that statement came out, they're like, "Yeah, I mean, Blue Origin totally screwed us over." I was like, "What?" are you doing like (laughs) anyone who's paid any attention to this knows that it is far more complicated than that. But yeah, this was not, it's not as if they were going to hit that date. Everybody knew they were not going to hit that date. And then the lawsuit happened. And so, okay, for two months or whatever, they stopped work. Like, well, suffice it to say, it's not going to be two months into 2025 when it launches. Okay. It it was already behind. Now it is a way behind. And that's just uh, that's just where we are. However, 
there are like 10, they said, I think 10 lunar landings, crude lunar landings that they're going to put up for bid. So as was promised before, when this whole thing went down with SpaceX, where NASA said, we're going to sign up with SpaceX for Starship and we're going to use it for this first landing with a crew and also some uncrewed landing test flights and stuff. Um, But this is just the beginning and we're going to put the rest of our planned landings or the next batch of our planned lunar landings up for bid. Um, And so you shouldn't feel bad that you lost the first one. You should bid for the rest of this program because, you know, we're not we're going with Starship first, but it doesn't mean we're going with Starship only. And they they did follow that up and say, yes, here, we're going to put out 10 lunar landings up for bid. So there's plenty of time for future government contracts on all of this. Um, uh, And uh in other blame news, the spacesuit program, which has also been delayed, um, and the the feeling that there'll be a new spacesuit that they're going to test out the ISS and that they want to use on the moon, and that's not going to be ready for 2024 landing either. So plenty of of minor notes to use as excuses for the fact that there was no way Artemis was going to take anybody to the moon anytime near 2024 so like you said the date was so unrealistic as soon as it was announced everyone was like uh i don't think that's doable and then congress didn't fund things at the the level that would have made that possible that's one thing that was the issue with the hls and the blue origin of spacex right that there there wasn't money for two and and now here we are so i mean this has been the trajectory this program has been on for a long time and I, I, I guess it'll happen when it happens, but blaming just Blue Origin is pretty funny. Yeah. Well, I guess take your lumps and then bid for those other lunar landings. You'll get in there, Bezos. Just, you know, quote less. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, in other news related to blame and reality, I have to also throw in the NASA Inspector General, who is often a more reality-based official than others in government the inspector general that's their whole idea um their report about artemis came out and they totaled it up and said it's going to be 93 billion dollars and like it's it's a lot right anyway they said that the uh that the moon landing will probably be several years late so i like that like right on the on the heels of like well it might not be 2024 they're like it's not going to be 2025 probably either right like it's probably several years later than you're saying it is even now um and that the artemis one launch will probably not be until summer of next year which is still like that's still kind of up up for debate about when they will do the first sls launch uh for artemis one it might be summer of 2022 according to the inspector general so just maybe a more realistic date for that because the inspector general's job is to be more realistic i did see today they're planning for the first full rollout of the artemis one rocket at the end of the year and they'll do their their wet test on the pad and then come back so things are moving but slower than mike pence would have wanted for sure for sure sorry mike sorry mike this episode of Liftoff is brought to you by The IntraZone from Microsoft SharePoint. If you're looking for a new show to listen to, The IntraZone is a bi-weekly podcast with conversations and interviews hosted by the SharePoint team on how SharePoint, OneDrive, Teams, Viva, and more can work for you. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field so you can see how SharePoint and Microsoft 365 can fit into your everyday work life. 
and learn more about flexibility when working with content, workflow, search, and more. Each show covers a bunch of segments like news and announcements, focused topics of the week, guest perspectives from product experts both inside and outside of Microsoft, upcoming events, conferences, and more. And the topics for each show are really interested. Previous episodes cover employee experiences. We've all used terrible <laughs> corporate software, and Microsoft is changing that with their products with a real focus on the experience employees have and managing and visualizing data. A lot of companies have these huge data sets, lots of legacy information, and getting to those where you can manage them in the 21st century can be a big job. Go and listen to it now. Just search for The IntraZone wherever you get your podcasts. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E, or click the link in the show notes to check it out. Our thanks to The IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of the show and RelayFM. Remember back when China did their anti-satellite test and created a whole bunch of debris that's still floating around and endangering people in space and endangering the International Space Station? Well, Russia did it. Yesterday. (laughs) On November 15th, Russia launched a missile from the ground that destroyed one of its own satellites in low Earth orbit, creating a field of at least... 1,500 separate trackable pieces of debris, and of course, many, many thousands so small that they cannot be tracked. Um, The International Space Station crew had to shelter due to debris risk, and this happens periodically because of this kind of stuff. Um, A spokesperson for the State Department said during a briefing that this test will significantly increase the risk to astronauts and cosmonauts on the ISS, as well as to other human spaceflight activities. Uh, that right now this ISS is passing that debris area every hour and a half or so. These, you know, there's a lot of speculation about this, about what what is going on here. Um, both of these moves seem to be part of a, uh, you know, it's it's comp- it's countries saying we want our competitors to know that we can destroy their satellites if we want to. We we have the ability to degrade your whether it's civilian or military satellite network and it's just another you know whether whether they intend to do it or just make everybody have to strategize about it um it's another reach of military offensive military technology into space the problem is that these tests are not done in a you know a controlled area. They are done in Earth, low Earth orbit, and they can, the pieces stay up there. And because you have mismatches in speed between the various uh, objects that are circling the Earth, those little pieces of debris can end up being incredibly fast, smashing into a different thing that's orbiting, like the International Space Station. Right, which itself is moving at 17,500 miles an hour. Right. Right, and so you can see just a little bit of a mismatch, and suddenly you've got a piece of plastic that's smashing into the ISS at you know a thousand miles an hour. It's not good, like, even if it's a little piece. It, it's not. It's not good. So they've um, they've had to shelter. They they closed the hatches to a bunch of the radial modules on the ISS, and are sort of limiting to the the straight line hatches. And the idea there is that they've occasionally sheltered in the the spaceships. The idea there is they may need to you know, don their spacesuits or they may need to abandon the ISS if there's a big hit. Um, So it's super scary. And as you might expect, 
the U.S. is not happy beyond the State Department. Bill Nelson, the NASA administrator, made a statement. Uh, D- Dmitry Rogozin, the head of Roscosmos, made a statement that basically said that he had talked to uh, Bill Nelson and that they had agreed to, you know, proceed with their cooperation or something. It was a very weird statement that I read through, obviously through a, a Russian uh, translation app. But <laughs> I, I, what's unclear is why this happened and whether Roscosmos really had any say about it either, right? Like, it's entirely possible. Or, or even or even any knowledge of it. Yeah, it's entirely possible that, uh, that the Russian military, um, perhaps ordered by, by Putin, perhaps to please Putin, um, decided that they would launch this missile off and blow up a satellite. And, you know, the Russia is not, this would actually be true in any kind of political organization, but certainly true in Russia, that it's not like Dmitry Rogozin can be like, I'm furious, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Not in public. But you do wonder if behind the scenes, uh, what's happening is it's like, we got cosmonauts up there and you're doing this. What are you doing? Um, I've also seen speculation that this is actually a move by Putin, who realizes that Russia does not have the money to have as full-fledged a space program as the U.S. and Europe and China, and that there is that there is one school of thought that thinks that Russia basically wants to say outer space. It's really nice. It'd be a shame if something happened to it, uh, and saying basically like we if we don't if we if we can't participate in space, maybe we should just not have anybody do it. Which is very sinister. Um, it's early days yet, but that's not great. So. Yeah, they're, uh, it, this is not good. Um, obviously, there are issues between the U.S. and Russia. Um, I would think that China wouldn't be super thrilled about this either, and they mm-hmm. and Russia has pretended to be sort of a, a forthcoming partner of the Chinese space program. But if you're doing stuff in space, this kind of stuff is not great. Yeah. So, and, and, um, so yeah, the, the, the worst-case scenario, like I mentioned, is what if Russia just decides um, we can't compete in space, so we'll, we'll just ruin it. That's a pretty dark timeline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Bill Nelson in his statement even mentioned the Chinese space station. He was like, you are endangering everybody, every country that has equipment or people in low Earth orbit. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, his term was, uh, you know, irresponsible behavior and there's no other yeah. term for it. I mean, you, you can't, I mean, we can argue about whether this technology should exist or not, but the, whatever you think about that, there's no debating that it does create, uh, an even more dangerous situation mm-hmm. in low Earth orbit, where you already have tons of debris to deal with. That's only getting worse. And if you blow a satellite up into you know four thousand pieces, you've created four thousand bullets co- going around the Earth, like you said. Yeah, and they don't and they don't fall. I mean, they eventually may fall to to the Earth in terms of burning up, but for years they won't. And uh, by the way, officially, this was Russia's uh, response, which is they confirmed that they did it. And they said, the U.S. knows for certain the emerging fragments at the time of the test and in terms of the orbit's parameters did not and will not pose any threat to orbital stations, satellites and space activity. Wow. So uh, there's a lot of people tracking debris who say that that is uh, completely uh, wrong. But that's their statement is, no, it's fine. It's fine. Don't get excited. It's fine. Jeez. It's not great. It's not great. Mm-mm. It's a bad thing. I mean, we're still talking about that Chinese test, right? And the debris left by that. 
And uh, now we'll be talking about the Russian test and hopefully it will just be an inconvenience and not something that causes the destruction of vehicles or the deaths of people in space. But that's a definite possibility based on what happened yesterday. Like in two years, we may have have to talk about a terrible accident that happened that is directly uh, because of this. So not good. Mm -mm. Well, I think that does it. I think it is. We're going to leave on a somber note because it's a bad week in space because of that so maybe it'll things will be brighter in two weeks let's hope so let's hope so yeah in the meantime if you want to find links to the stories we spoke about head on over to relay.fm slash liftoff slash 163 there you can get in touch via email with feedback or follow-up you can also find us on twitter jason is there as jason l you can follow me on twitter as ismh And until our next Fortnite, Jason, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all.